Amen. All right, I'm going to share with you an article that appeared a while back, and uh, listen to what it said. ACLU. How many guys are familiar with those guys? Right. One guy says it stands for the, uh, what is it, American uh, uh, Communist Lawyers Union? Okay, but that's a side note. But to ACLU, uh, to sue over Pennsylvania evolution debate. And this was in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Eight families have filed a lawsuit against a school district that is requiring students to learn about alternatives to the theory of evolution. So the ACLU brought suit is suing because this school says, you know what? We want to give the kids a well-rounded education. We want to give them alternatives to evolution so they can, with their own critical mind, make up their own mind, right? Based on the facts. They got sued for that. Can you believe that? I thought that's what education was for. Now, the ACLU and the Americans United for the Separation of Church and State, which again, as we saw before in our studies, that's a lie. The myth of separation of church and state ripped out of context. Anyway, so they said the lawsuit is the first to challenge whether public schools should teach intelligent design, which holds that the universe is so complex that it must have been created by some higher power. So go ahead and turn to somebody and say, duh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The Dover Area School District voted six to three uh, on October 18th to include intelligent design in the ninth grade science curriculum. But the ACLU contends intelligent design is a biblical-based view that credits the origin of species to God. And one of the parents, listen to this, bringing the soup, expressed concern that the school board, listen, would mandate the teaching of something that isn't accepted as science. Now stop and think about that. They're upset that the school would introduce something that is not science, okay? But if you saw last week as we were here, what's interesting in the study of intelligent design, as we began to look at it, and we're going to look at it again tonight, all we're doing is looking at what? Science. So how is that not science? Okay, absolutely uh, uh, crazy. In fact, what you see is often the evolutionists uh, not only suppress this, but they get their so-called science wrong. Okay, and I want to give you a little bit, uh, before we get started tonight, a little bit more of a recap on the uh, Ken Ham-Bill Nye debate uh, there. And believe it or not, uh, uh, Bill Nye either was misinformed, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, or he lied. I'm just going to share with you just a few of the problems uh, from this article, okay? Viewers got a lot of information from Bill Nye that is simply not true, Okay, uh, for example, Bill May, Nye made it sound like science has discovered fossil layers all over the earth that are neatly stacked on top of one another with less evolved creatures in the earlier layers and more advanced creatures in the upper layers. Not true. You know, the only place where the whole complete geologic column actually exists on the planet. It's not on the planet. It's only in the textbooks with their little caricatures. It doesn't exist anywhere on the planet in its full form. It's a bunch of baloney. Okay, but it's also not in nice, neat layers. They're all mixed up. It's almost like a flood squished everything together. We'll get to that uh, later. He also made the incredible claim that you can't find a single fossil which is in the wrong layer. That's easily disproved. In fact, we find human remains with dinosaur remains. How do you explain that one? Okay, uh, but this is what he said. This is, the, the guy says, this is such an elementary mistake and exhibits such a complete ignorance of what the fossil record actually shows that he should have been laughed off the stage. Okay? And he says, this, the irony is, this is exactly the kind of extreme anti-intellectualism that Nye was supposedly there to warn people about. But he's guilty of doing it himself. He said, such is an elementary uh, mistake 
And uh, he should have been laughed off the stage. He said, sadly, though, our society's been so dumbed down that there's a lot of people that will just take it for what it is and believe them without investigating the facts, okay? He said, during the debate, Bill Nye said at one point, if we could find just one, just one fossil that was out of place, we could change the world. Well, guess what? Uh, we can change the world. Because <laughs> there's more than one that's out of place. There's all kinds of We find human artifacts throughout the whole thing. You know, we're supposed to be way down to the lower layer. Uh, with, it's just clams, you know, and they've hardly come out of the sea and all that stuff. There's human remains down there. You keep coming up and it's supposed to be just a little bit more evolved and maybe an amphibian or a fish type thing. Uh, there's human remains. I mean, remains like a necklace and stuff. What? The fish make that? Right? It's, it's a bull-faced lie. That's why the guy says, this guy should have been laughed off the stage. Okay? In fact, even other evolutionists admit this. Okay? One guy, uh, Dr. Donald Burge, he's the curator of vertebrae paleontology at the College of Eastern Utah Prehistoric Museum. Say that five times fast. Yeah. Okay. Um, he says uh, mammal fossils are found in nearly every dinosaur dig that he has ever been associated with. Well, how come they don't put that in the textbooks? And, and again, he's an evolutionist. But at least, at least he is saying, well, this is what we find. Okay. Now, uh, not only that, a whole host of modern creatures. Remember, he said if just one, if we could find just one fossil, right? A whole host of other modern creatures have also been found with uh, dinosaur rock layers. Uh, such things as ducks, squirrels, platypus, beavers, badgers, uh, bees, cockroaches, frogs, and pine trees. He says most people don't picture a T-Rex walking along with a duck flying overhead, uh, but that's exactly what the fossils show. Oops. In fact, he says a total of 432, remember he said it just takes one, 432 different mammal species have been identified in rock layers containing the dinosaurs. And so he says, well, wait a second. So does that mean that mammals have been around for tens of millions of years because they're found with dinosaurs? No. What it means is evolution's dating methods are completely off, even when it comes to dinosaurs. And just to give you a little teaser, and we will, Lord willing, cover this when we get to the issue of dinosaurs in the Bible. Um, what they don't tell you is they actually find uh, T-Rex tissue that is still soft. In fact, I have an actual video clip of the actual scientists who discovered this. And it's not only soft, but they have in the microscope and they videotaped it, they took a pair of tweezers on the tissue of the T-Rex and pulled it. It was like elastic and it snapped back. That's how fresh it is. How can that be 70 to 75 million years old? Answer? It can't. That's right, Bobby can't. Thank you for that response there. Uh, so that means their dating method's off too, right? It's all a bunch of baloney. Now, here's what he says. He says, if Bill Nye wants to believe in the theory of evolution, that's his choice, Right? It's America, you can, you really, all right. But he should quit calling it science because it's not based on science. He said those who choose to believe in the theory of evolution are choosing to have blind faith in an ancient pagan religious philosophy despite what the scientific evidence actually demonstrates. And see, that's the irony. See, they've got the school system, they've got the media, and they just repeat a lie loud enough, long enough, and often enough, okay, and people believe it. But when you start to actually investigate it, as a Christian, as anybody, you say, wait a second, your belief, evolution, is not based on science. It's a faith, okay? And yet, when we take a look at intelligent design, which deals only with scientific information, we're being religious. We're trying to get religion in the school. Do you see the irony that's going on here? Now, last week we saw in our text there that the problem with this is, it's not just that people are doing this, but they're suppressing this. As you saw, the ACLU is going and sued a school to even think about offering an alternative. 
And the Bible says those who suppress the truth about God's existence that he has in his creation are doing what? Soaring up wrath. And once again, how many of you guys would say that's not a good thing to do? Okay, maybe try some love once in a while. Mercy is a good one. Grace, that's good. But don't be storing up that wrath there, okay? So we're going to continue uh, to take a look at the witness of God's creation. And what we're going to uh, continue to do is take a look at some different evidences that God's given for us to show us that all of life was clearly designed, implying an intelligent designer, i.e. God, okay? And if you were here last week, just the first topic that we're going to deal with and have started to deal with is the issue of intelligent uh, design, okay? And uh, the first one that we dealt with was the issue of an intelligent uh, uh, design in the universe. And we just saw nine facts, just nine, and there's a whole bunch more, believe you me. Just nine facts showing us that the universe not only was, but it had to be intelligently designed by an intelligent designer. Why? Because when you look at the facts, folks, anybody who's not a few pieces short of a casserole, okay, knows that when you see design in something, what does it imply? A designer. And that is God, okay? But the universe isn't the only thing. Again, we're taking a journey from the telescope all the way down to the microscope. So we're getting a little bit closer in towards us. Now we're going to deal with the solar system. We're going to see some amazing designs specifically closer to home in the solar system. And that's exactly what God has left behind for us to declare his majesty, okay? Uh, But don't take my word for it. Let's listen to his. Open your Bibles to Psalm 19. Psalm 19. You look up in the sky, we should say, wow, look at what God did. That's a completely logical and, believe it or not, scientific response. Okay, Psalm 19 is our opening text. Let's take a look there. Verses 1 through 4. And uh, let's take a look there. Psalm 19, verses 1 through 4. When you get there, say moo. Moo, got a couple moos. All right. Psalm 19, verses uh, 1 through 4. It's page 486 in my Bible, if that helps. Which I'm sure it doesn't. You think, really? That's cool. All right. All right, awesome. We're getting there. All right, verse one says this, the heavens declare what? The glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of who? His hands, day after day. Anytime you look up there, man, uh, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. In fact, there is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. In other words, doesn't matter where you are on the planet, you look up in the sky, man, evidence of God's all over the place. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the end of of the world, okay? And just in that one text, what we see uh, is when we look up into the night sky, the heavens, urnas in the Greek, okay, uh, is used there, speaking of the sky or the atmosphere or space, okay? It should lead you and I to the logical conclusion, not just biblical, the, to declare the majesty of God. Has anybody ever done that? I remember growing up in the Midwest, out in the middle of nowhere, no light pollution like you get here in Vegas with a big city, okay? But out in the middle of nowhere, and man, when it gets dark out there and it's a cloudless night, what do you see? I mean, a whole pack of stars they're all over the place. In fact, if you can get to a decent enough elevation, which didn't happen in Kansas, uh, you, <laughs> you can even see the Milky Way, man. It's awesome. And then you see shooting stars and you sit there and when you're out there, no distractions and you take the time to look up there, it just blows you away, doesn't it? And you're, going, you're just in rapture. Some of my best Uncle Billy lectures uh, with my nephews uh, and even my own children is when we're out camping at high elevation and I purposely go out at night and we sit there, we look at the stars and we rap about God. It just sucks you in because it's like, whoa, this is awesome. And that's what the psalmist tells us, okay? Now here's the problem, okay? What does evolution teach? Do they teach, they say, hey, look up in the sky, you're right, and see the handiwork of God. Is that what they say? No, what they say is, hey, look in the sky and see what exploded from an accidental blob, Right? They, they try to, once again, 
uh, curtail that. But again, again, let's put our thinking caps on. Okay, Uh, let's just do some investigation. Let's take a look at some facts about our solar system. And you tell me if this ever happened by accident, uh, certainly by an accidental blob. Okay, God's handiwork is all over it. Okay, first of all, let's take a look at Jupiter. If Jupiter's distance was just a little bit greater than it is from the Earth, then there'd be too many collisions from asteroids and comets, and hence it would destroy life on Earth. As we saw before, Jupiter, which I think is about 300 times the size of Earth, 300 Earths can fit in Jupiter, it acts as a buffer. And it sucks in the comets, it sucks in the, the asteroids, I mean, and all the things, and it protects us, okay? It ha- and so that's the one good news for that. But if the, the distance was less, then the Earth's orbit would become stable and also destroy life. So based on the scientific information, it's almost like somebody popped Jupiter exactly where it needs to be to protect the Earth. Isn't that interesting? I'm sure it's a quinky day. okay? Uh, but let's go on. Uh, how about the sun? If the sun was just a little bit further from the Earth, then the entire planet would freeze over. How many guys can figure that out without any help? That's pretty common sense, okay? Now, flipping around, if the sun was a few percent closer, the waters of the earth would boil. Now, you could probably cook your top ramen a lot faster, but I don't think you could enjoy it because you'd be dead, okay? Uh, but, right? So the sun has to be exactly where it's at for that. And not just the distance of the sun. Listen, uh, the color of the sun. This is wild. Uh, did you know our sun just happens to be the right color for life to exist? It's now known that if the sun's color was even a little bit redder or a little bit bluer, believe it or not, then the photosynthetic response would be weaker and hence uh, would ruin life. What do plants use for energy? Photosynthesis, which comes from Walmart. No, no, no. They sell a lot of products, but that doesn't, they can't sell that. Uh, no, it's from the sun, right? But even not just the distance of the sun to keep us from freezing or frying, okay, the color of the sun has to be perfect, exactly how it is, or no plant life could exist and you wouldn't have life. Okay, let's continue on. The distance of the moon. If the moon was just a little bit closer to the earth, uh, it would get sucked into the gravity and the moon would crash into the planet bringing death. Okay, how many guys would say that that would kind of hamper, you know, the day a little, right? Just kind of destroy the planet. But if the moon was a little bit further away, it would go off into space, leaving death behind for the planet because we need the moon. Okay, it helps to reflect the sun, etc., etc. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. Okay, the moon, not just is strategically placed, just like Jupiter, and so is the sun for life on Earth, but the size of it just happens to be perfect. If it was slightly bigger than it is, the gravitational effect on the Earth would cause massive tides, ferocious winds, and it would wipe out life on Earth. Okay, but if it was slightly smaller, then the tides and the winds would be too small, and the Earth would overheat. So if it gets any bigger, then it would uh, flood the Earth. Okay, uh, one estimate was it would flood the earth at least twice a day at a certain size. And again, as we talked before, it's been scientifically proven that you can only comfortably drown once a day. So <laughs> two times will pretty much do the deal for you. Okay, but again, if it was slightly smaller, then believe it or not, the moon has a great effect on our tides, on our weather, everything. Okay, so once again, it's not only just correctly positioned with Jupiter and the sun and the moon, but everything is the right size, the right color. You think that's by chance? No way. Absolutely not. Okay. And again, how did it get positioned so precisely in the sky overhead? Remember, evolution says this is all a random event. Everything exploded and just just happens to decide, okay, I think I'll stop here. Right? If it's just flying by like everything else in the universe by a random event, then why did it happen to stop at the right place? And again, when it stopped at the right place, uh, it carefully entered into a balanced orbit uh, and it was just the right size, just the right distance, and that's just the moon. Everything is like, if you can, you see the pictures of the solar system, okay, the little diagrams, the little models and things of that nature, picture the insides of a watch, 
with the gears and things. That's what we have going on here. And the watch didn't happen by chance. Somebody designed it. Okay, let's continue on. Earth's gravity. If there was just a slight increase in the Earth's gravity, then the atmosphere would retain too much ammonia and methane, which are toxic to life. How many of you guys got up this morning and says, mm, mm, mm. I hope they start selling ammonia coffee at Starbucks because I really got to get some. That would be your last cup, by the way. Uh, it's toxic. Don't do that. Uh, if you're watching this by tape, I'm joking. Okay. Uh, but anyway, so right? Okay, so gravity. Not just gravity in general as we saw last time in the universe, but the gravity specifically catered for Earth has to be just what it is or things begin to get toxic very quickly. But if there's a slight decrease, then we would lose, uh, uh, in the atmosphere, uh, we would lose too much water. Okay? So again, even gravity itself is dialed in exactly what we need for life on Earth. How about the Earth's magnetic field? If that field was slightly less, then we would have inadequate protection from the sun's radiation and we would die. Okay? So again, we would get fried to death. Uh, by the radiation, but that happens to be just right. But if it was slightly stronger, then there would be constant severe magnetic storms and life could not exist. You wouldn't be able to use any electronics either, I don't believe, uh, which some people probably would die because they're really addicted to cell phones and stuff like that. And anybody ever wish that sometimes those things would... Yeah, I digress. But anyway, let's continue on. Uh, Earth's water. I couldn't wait to get to this one because we take this for granted and this water is absolutely a miracle. Okay, listen to this. I used to know where I'm going. Uh, pure water on earth is colorless, odorless, and tasteless, exactly like chicken. You know what I'm saying? And I don't know if you guys know this, but I've got to get this on tape. Anybody notice that they just right a few blocks down the street here from Sunrise, they built that brand new complex, that Las Vegas Pain Institute Medical Center Urgent Care? Am I the only one that noticed that is right, is the building, the pain center of Las Vegas Medical Center Urgent Care is right next to Kentucky Fried Chicken? All places in the city, you put the Pain Institute, urgent care, next to KFC. But anyway, so it's just like chicken. Uh, water obviously covers more than anything on our planet. <laughs> I can't wait to get that out. Uh, more, it's more than 70%, you know, rough, roughly. Without water, plants become, uh, they wilt, they become flabby, they die, kind of like when you get married. If you notice that, it happens to everybody. Maybe it's the water. Maybe, you know, it's whatever. I, I'm having a good week. Anyway, so it just so happens that all living things are dependent upon Earth's water in one way or another for survival. And it just so happens that uh, even though there's other substances similar to the water, only water can be a solid, a liquid, and a gas at Earth's normal range of temperature. Okay? It's, it's very unique. And this is important because if water was like other similar substances instead of being mysteriously unique, and there's no reason why it shouldn't be if everything's natural, you know, by chance... Uh, then here's the problem. We'd only have steam, no water, no water vapor, no clouds, no snow, no ice, and hence no life. Okay. Anybody appreciate ice in Vegas? Well, yeah, wouldn't happen anymore. All right. How about the Earth's atmosphere? This is cool. Without the air in the Earth's atmosphere, there would be no weather, no wind, no clouds, no rain, virtually no noise whatsoever uh, because air can't travel in a vacuum and nothing could fly. All plants, all animals, all people, everything would die. How many guys would say we need our atmosphere? We don't just need our atmosphere. We need our atmosphere exactly how it is for life. Okay, it's not just we have an atmosphere. It is completely dialed in. Listen to this. For some strange reason, it just so happens we have the perfect atmosphere for life. For instance, eight-tenths of the air in our atmosphere is seemingly useless to us. 78% nitrogen, right? So when you guys are out there uh, playing sports and you see those guys on the sidelines, uh, they're always grabbing, oh, give me that nitrogen. No, we don't breathe nitrogen. We do oxygen. So you're thinking, well, surely that's what makes up most of our atmosphere. Uh-uh. The biggest part of our atmosphere is nitrogen. Well, wait a second. We don't need that. Yes, we do. 
listen to what God's done. Uh, it's incredibly important. As it turns out, oxygen is highly combustible. And if there was no nitrogen to counteract that, then the world would have burned up the very first time somebody started to fire. Boom! Right? Bill's out there. Wimberly, he loves to barbecue. He's out there. He's thinking he's going to get some cow going. Lights that match. Boom! Goes back in and Diane says, what'd you do now, Bill? I uh, blew up the planet. <laughs> you know, can you do it? Right? It's exactly what it needs to counteract the oxygen. Isn't that wild? Also, the remaining 1%, you're thinking, well, no big deal, 1%. Listen to this final 1%. It's made up of all kinds of things. It consists almost entirely of the gas argon, but it's also got some small amounts of neon, helium, believe it or not, that's a real gas, krypton, xenon, hydrogen, ozone, carbon dioxide, nitrous oxides, and methane gases. Okay, that's the final 1%. But what's interesting is it just so happens all these gases are invisible, it's not just what they are, they're invisible. Now that's uh, very handy because even if there was a slight tinge of color to any one of those gases, then darkness would block out the sun and we would live in perpetual darkness, thereby destroying life. Now, that's just a little teaser of our solar system, but how many guys would say, based on the, listen, what do we do? Scientific data. Remember, that's the charge. This isn't science. What do we just look at? Nothing but science. Scientific data, okay? And it shows that the solar system not only was, but had to be intelligently designed by an intelligent designer, right? Okay, and again, with all due respect, if anybody, after looking at those facts, says that it wasn't, then maybe you're acting like your wheel's spinning, but your hamster's done dead. You know what I'm saying? You ever run into one of those things? In fact, believe it or not, scientists are saying the same thing. Alan Sandage, he's the winner of the Crawford Prize in Astronomy, okay? And here's what he said when he was looking at the design. He said, I find it quite improbable Quite improbable that such order came out of chaos. He said, there has to be some organizing principle. Listen, a scientist. God to me is a mystery, but it is the explanation for the miracle of existence. So we're not just looking at science, period, but scientists are coming to the same logical conclusion that God says you should come to. At least this guy's honest. And what he's saying, listen, is it's, yeah, God to me is a mystery. I mean, I have all the answers for that. But when I take a look at what's going on in life, that's the satisfactory conclusion. This had to come from God, okay? That's what we're seeing, okay? But that's not all. We're going to look now as we continue to go further. Universe, solar system, now we're getting down to the human body. God has made us, guys, with an, a fantastic, amazing machine. Uh, and we all know machines happen when something blows up near a steel plant. No, uh, somebody designs some things, okay? So let's take a look at some of the facts of the human body. Okay, this is really uh, cool. Let's take a look. First of all, our in- internal organs, deal with those first. Did you know our kidneys contain approximately 280 miles of tubes and they filter 185 quarts of water a day from our blood? Not feet, miles, 280 miles, okay? And we all know that the plumbing in our homes uh, resulted as uh, an, a random chance occurrence uh, from an explosion uh, in a pipe factory. And they just happened to land in the right spot, you know, right? And you add them all up and it ain't anywhere near 280 miles, but you're just, just, just the kidney. Not your other organs, just the kidneys. 280 miles worth of plumbing. And it works awesome. That happened my chance? I don't think so. Let's continue on. Did you know the heart pumps 5,000 gallons of blood a day, beats approximately 100,800 times a day, 2,500,000,000 times in an average lifetime? That's a really nifty machine. How many guys would like to have an engine that ran that efficient? Well, you got one. It's called a heart. And we all know the engines, those happen purely by chance. I go pick them up in the field all the time, Ron. Where do you get yours? 
And that, you probably get that ditch over there. I'm looking at, yeah. What? That's your heart. Okay, absolutely amazing. Did you know our bodies replace over one trillion cells a day and the lining of our digestive tract turns over about every two days faster if you eat spicy Mexican food? That's my theory. I threw that in there uh, for conjecture. Uh, pick your own spicy food. Uh, but isn't that amazing? Trillion cells replicating. Okay, uh, and, and did you know our bodies make about two to 10 million blood cells every second? And if you lined up the red blood cells in one person's body end to end, they go around the equator four times. Absolutely amazing, okay? Uh, how did any of these internal organs evolve? And, and, and go a little step further. And at what stage of development could a person survive unless all your internal organs appeared all at the same time, all on the scene, fully functioning? As we talked before, what good is if all you had was a half a lung? That's it, had evolved. Do you hold your breath for a million years? <gasps> and you wait for the rest to evolve so you can start working properly? Because you've got to have both of them, right? You might be able to... Well, what, what if you only had a, a, a one quarter of a liver? What good's that going to do you? What if you had one eighth of a brain? I'm not going to go where you think I might go with that comment. Because <laughs> I already talked about the wheels spinning what the hamsters did. Okay. Uh, what? What major organ can you live without? Major organ? No, you can't. Oh, they all have to be there all at the same time, fully functioning. You can't just wait until the next one pops on the scene. Okay? And again, it's not just with that. Then if you want to procreate, you've got to find a carbon copy of humanity except in the opposite sex. Okay? And as we all know, it's hard sometimes just to even get married. Right? And let alone find somebody else on earth to... <laughs> it's crazy. All right? Let's continue on. How about our skin? This is cool. Did you know the lining of our skin turns over about every two to four weeks and we shed about 40 pounds of skin in a lifetime? Isn't that wild? 40 pounds. That's my diet plan. You know what I'm saying? I'm always going to win on this one. I'm guaranteed to lose 40 pounds. You know what I'm saying? I'm just waiting for the skin to fall off. I'll get there. I'll get there. Okay? As we talked before, this is kind of funny. Uh, one, this is why old couches weigh so much. You ever bought one at a garage sale? You need a forklift to get rid of them babies. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it wasn't that heavy when I bought it 40 years ago. Right? Blech. And number two, how much of that dead skin is on the pew you guys are sitting in right now? You. That's why they call it a pew. Right? It's my theory. Right? You guys always wonder what happened to Deacon Jones. He's still here, folks. Just don't sneeze. All right? Let's move on. That's amazing. Okay? Our ears. Did you know it just so happens that the ear is not only capable of responding to sound? But it does so at a pressure on the eardrum. Listen to this. This is beyond subatomic level. This is amazing. No greater than two ten thousandths of a millionth of barometric pressure. That's how sensitive your ear is. And did you know this minuscule pressure moves the eardrum about one one hundred millionth of an inch? Okay, and which is approximately one one hundredth the width of a hydrogen molecule, which is the tiniest of all known molecules. That's pretty precise. Oh, and, and uh, by the way, how did that ear ever evolve? And let, let alone ever the ability to function at a submonocular level. And why did it not explode the first time that something really loud came along? Oh, and by the way, here's the common sense question. How do we end up with two of them? Exactly alike on either side of the head at the same time? What? That's pretty crazy. Which leads to the next one. How about the eye? We've got two of those too. Did you know the eye is so complex that scientists still don't understand? Still today don't understand how this baby uh, fully works. Okay, and we've got two of them. The human eye completes 100,000 separate functions in a single day. It conducts its own maintenance work while we sleep. 
How many of you guys would like, have you ever broken a camera? You ever dropped in the water or did something to it or cracked it or whatever? How would you like to just like, well, all right. I'll just put a little blankie over it, put, tuck its head under a pillow. And when I wake up tomorrow, it's going to be perfectly fine. Wouldn't that be neat if you could do that with all electronics? How many of you guys are going to try it when you go home? <laughs> Praise God, nobody raised your hand. You'd freak me out. Okay, our eyes do that. Okay, imagine a piece of electronics doing that. Which, by the way, this is more complex than a piece of electronics. And we all know electronics happen from an explosion in Radio Shack. What? Okay, and so it can, uh, does itself. But that's not all. The eye also has automatic aim, focus, aperture adjustment. It provides color in 3D images. Uh, and it can automatically function from darkness to bright light instantly. How did that evolve? Right? The first chance you get that eye, you're frying your eyeball. It doesn't work that. And again, we have what? Two of those guys. Okay, how about our brains? Did you know the brain is the most complex mechanism uh, in the world? Okay, it just so happens to be the most influential organ of our bodies. It enables us to think, remember, feel, reason, imagine, analyze. It controls our hearing, our sight, our smell, our speech, our eating, our resting, learning, everything else that makes us the way we do and behave. Okay, it's from the brain. Okay, the average brain weighs about three pounds, yet it contains uh, contains 12 billion cells, each of which is connected to 10,000 other brain cells, making 120 trillion connections. Okay. We have, can you imagine a highway system with 120 train connections? It's like L.A. Have you ever traveled to L.A.? And you get, no, it's worse than that. Can you imagine 120 trillion connections? In fact, the brain stores so much memory data, it's like a hard drive, that by the age of 40, it's estimated that it would take the entire state building full of computers just to store the same amount of information. Now, we'll say this. All right, maybe some people got a shed in the backyard and other people got the Empire State Building. But we won't go there. But I guess we just did. Let's move on. Okay, how about the DNA? <laughs> did you know the DNA molecule in our bodies is the most complex molecule in the whole universe? It is absolutely amazing. The code is so unbelievably complex that if you typed it all out, it would create enough books to fill the Grand Canyon 40 times. Not one time. Which would be, Grand Canyon is kind of a big hole. Have you noticed that? Filling that with books 40 times times over that's how complex the dna molecule is that have my chance in fact the average person in this room has 50 trillion cells in their body with each having 46 chromosomes okay which is a lot of uh, chromosomes uh and uh, but if you took all your chromosomes out of your body it'd only fill up two tablespoons but it gets even more complex uh if you float around the other way uh it's not only highly complex what's more amazing is if you stretched out your chromosomes if you could and if you could somehow tie them all together one person's chromosomes would reach from the earth to the moon and back five million times not five times not five thousand times five million times absolutely amazing okay now again you take a look at the what do we look at science Right? You take a look at the scientific data. How many guys would say that the human body not only was, but it had to be intelligently designed by an intelligent designer? Why would you want to keep this out of school? What's the big deal? I'm just looking at science. You know why? Because what's the logical conclusion? God. Do you see the real reason why there's a, there, they sued? Do you see the real reason why they suppressed this? It's exactly what the Bible said would happen. They don't want the existence of God to get out. That's why his wrath is being revealed because he's left all this evidence for people to quickly, even at an early age, come to the logical conclusion there is a God so that they would seek him, so that they would know him, so that they'd have a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. And these people have the audacity to cover it up. 
And we wonder why his wrath is coming. We wonder why the seven-year tribulation uh, is coming. Uh, Werner Arbor, he's the Nobel Prize winner for medicine. Here's what he said when dealing with the facts. At least he was honest. He said, although a biologist, I must confess, I don't understand how life came about. He says, though, the possibility of the existence of a creator of God represents to me a satisfactory solution to the problem. Right? So what are you scared about? Why can't we say that? Right? But again, we know the real reason is because they don't want the truth to get out that there's a God. They're suppressing it. That's exactly what the text says, okay? In fact, believe it or not, did you know that Charles Darwin even said, if you will, uh, that uh, his theory to believe in it, to maintain it, you'd have to be a person that uh, fell out of a goober tree and hit every branch on the way down. Did you know he said something like that? Okay? Believe it or not, he did. Listen to what he said about the I. Charles Darwin, founder of evolution. Here's what he said, quote, he admitted, he said, to suppose that the I could have been formed by natural selection seems, I freely confess, absurd in the highest degree. So even the founder of evolution admits, when you look at the facts, yeah, <laughs> it's kind of absurd to believe in this. And yet we're the ones who they say are discounting science and we're the ones being absurd. Absolutely amazing. Again, I, I, I uh, go back to the opening article. What'd she say? She is upset with this school board for mandating the teaching of something that isn't accepted as science. And yet all tonight, just dealing with these two topics, solar system, our human body, what do we just deal with? Science. Do you see what's going on in our society today? And you think about, well, what's the big deal? So what? So, so they want to teach this. Because here's the problem, folks. You ever wonder why our society's going down the tubes? Morally? Not just spiritually, but all together? Because it works like this. What a person believes determines how they behave. And if you don't believe that there is a God, you're going to act like it. You teach kids that they came from apes, and then we're shocked when they act like apes. And the whole time, it's a lie. And you're trying to tell us that your lie is based on science when it's not. That's what we're up against. But that's right, we're going to continue the journey. The fourth evidence of an intelligent creator designing our intelligent world is the evidence from an animal kingdom. Now, doesn't that animation bring tears to your eye? Am I the only one? I look at that. You can imagine. Yeah, right. But uh, we're, going to, we're going to pick up the animal kingdom as we continue on our journey from the telescope to the microscope uh, next week. Let's go ahead and let's pray. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and Get a Life Ministries. And I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, before you go... Let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? You see, here's the problem. The Bible says that nobody automatically gets to go to heaven. And that's because God is holy and we are not. The Bible says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness or the wrong things that we have done have separated us from God. And the wages of our sin or unholiness uh, means that we deserve to die and receive God's judgment to go to hell and not heaven. In other words, we're disqualified for heaven. And that's because God being holy and us being not, the two cannot mix. So what are we going to do? Well, that's bad enough. The other problem is we don't even want to admit this dilemma, even though God already knows it all. And so out of love, God gave us something called the Ten Commandments to show us that we're really disqualified for heaven. We're not holy. We're not perfect like him. 
Uh, let's take a, a look at just a few of those uh, here today. Uh, the Bible says, the Ten Commandments says, you shall not bear false witness. That means lying. How many of you have ever told a lie before? Well, those of you who didn't raise your hand, you just did. Okay, let's be honest, folks. Let's not tell another lie. We've all lied. Well, believe it or not, that disqualifies you for heaven. That's how holy God is. He is the truth. He does not lie. And so that makes us a liar. Another of the Ten Commandments says you shall not steal. Okay? How many have ever taken anything without permission? Well, all of our hands should have went up at that one. Uh, we've already said we're a bunch of liars. Okay? Well, we've all done that. And it doesn't have to be a bank. Uh, it could be a pencil in the third grade. Uh, that means that we're a thief. Okay? The Bible says that God is so holy, even his name is holy. And that's why one of the Ten Commandments says you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. Hey, folks, isn't it ironic how uh, now the blessed name of Jesus Christ, the Bible says there's no other name under heaven by which men might be saved, Jesus Christ, has now become a cuss word? Folks, the Bible says that's the sin of blasphemy. Okay? And folks, let's be honest. We've used God's name in vain uh, before. The Bible also says in the Ten Commandments, you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus takes the standard even higher. He says, listen, it's not just physical adultery. He says, surely I tell you that if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. God looks at the heart. One more out of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not murder. And you might say, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? The Bible says that the sin of hatred is akin to the sin of murder. You, in other words, in your heart, wish they were dead. You pulled the trigger, if you will, in your own heart. And the Bible says God sees that, and it's just as bad. He knows the mind. He knows the hearts, the thoughts, and the intents that we have. Folks, that's just five out of the Ten Commandments. How are you doing? Not very well. None of us can keep them. They're God's x-ray to show us that we're disqualified. And so when, not if, your time comes, because we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, you're going to have to stand before God and you're going to have to uh, say who you really are. He already knows. Hey, God, let me into heaven. Uh, I'm, I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer, adulterer, and a murderer. Folks, the Bible is clear. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. That's the problem. Here's the good news. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him, what he did on the cross, on our behalf, that we will not perish, we will not go to hell, but he will give us the gift of eternal life. Jesus died on the cross to forgive us of all of our sins. It's something that we don't earn, we, we, we can't earn. It's a gift, the Bible calls it, and a gift cannot be earned. He was taking the death penalty in our place. That's what the cross was of the day. And that if we would just ask Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins, and believe that in our heart that God raised him from the grave, showing that his death is satisfactory to God to forgive us of all of our sins, no matter what we've done, the Bible says we shall be saved. Uh, the Apostle Paul says that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the grave, we will be saved. Let me give you a common analogy of what God's doing and what he did for us with Jesus dying on the cross on our behalf. Uh, in life, we know that people uh, can be sentenced for a crime uh, to where they're actually on death row. Uh, the courtroom scene has completely finished. The gavel has already sounded. Uh, they are going to jail and they're just awaiting their time before they go to the death penalty. Uh, as they're sitting there in the jail cell, 
it's a proven fact. They did what they did. Everybody knows it. They're just waiting for that time for their uh, number to come up, so to speak, and walk down that hall and be executed. Uh, There's nothing they could do to reverse their crime. No amount of good works in that jail cell can reverse what they've done. It's too late. It's over. But believe it or not, there's one way that people even today can get off a death row. And that's if the one in authority, the governor, if he were to, out of mercy and kindness, nothing that the person did, because they don't earn it and they don't deserve it, and they can't earn it, if he would grant them what's called a pardon, out of the kindness of his heart, he has the authority to grant them a pardon and absolve them completely of their crimes uh, against the state. And did you know that there's actually been people that this has happened to, that the governor, out of mercy, has granted them a pardon as a gift, and they've gone down to the jail cell and handed that person, extended it through the bars, here, I'm granting you a pardon. If you would just receive it, you can go free right now. And did you know that there's actually been people who've said, no, I don't want your pardon. And so what happened is of their own doing, even though they had a way out, they still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, can I tell you something? That's what God did for us with Jesus dying on the cross. He sent his son to take the death penalty in our place. He, God, has the authority to grant us through Jesus a complete pardon. And every day that you're still alive, God is extending to you spiritually this pardon. But a pardon does you no good unless you reach out and receive it by faith. Won't you do that today? Won't you call upon the name of Jesus Christ? Ask him to forgive you of all of your sins, to trust in his work on the cross, to pardon us from all of our crimes, our sins against God. God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. But there's only one way to heaven. It's Jesus. There's only one way to get off a death row. It's through the cross of Jesus Christ. Won't you do that right now? Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and, and Get a Life Ministries. And if there's anything that we can do for you, uh, please don't hesitate uh, to contact us. Uh, our number, our information will uh, come up here on the screen shortly. And uh, uh, if there's anything we could do for you, please don't hesitate to let us know. Uh, thank you for uh, joining us. And uh, remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless. Thank you for watching this presentation from Sunrise Baptist Church. If you would like to send us a letter or any other kind of postage, you can reach us at 1780 Betty Lane, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89156. For more information, you can give us a call at 702-452-8599 or email us at bcrone at getalifemedia.com or you can visit our website at www.getalifemedia.com. Billy Crone and this ministry can also be found on Facebook and Twitter. Join us for services at www.sunriselv.com.